Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, bringing you the latest Major League Rugby news, views, and abuse. Now here are your hosts, Aaron, Dan, and Victor. Good evening, everyone. Uh, our friend, our producer, is uh, out, so I am usually the pre-production guy, so I guess I'm in charge? I don't know. Um, Corey is in Vegas, getting drunk, slaying bodies with his family, and uh, he and his wife are partying up. But I will say this, he is alive, because we got an email from him, and... Uh, he put up a new cover. Fo- he put up a new thumbnail photo for the lineout episode we had uh, earlier today with Alain Yardet and Thierry Dupont. Um, Troy Critus, whenever you watch this, this drink is for you. I'm drinking a Yingling. Does they call it in Pennsylvania just lager? Just can I get a lager? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so. Going into the rundown. So we got the launch of the San Diego Legion. Um, that was kind of ominous when it happened. Um, Ontario Arrows have, uh, you know, they're officially out there now. Um, they're moving ever forward as part of their project, and we're pretty sure they are an MLR team um, for 2019. Then we're hearing more things about Rugby Club New York, which we'll address in rumors. Um, a big topic this week on the subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash ml rugby, uh, was player compensation. And we had a really long discussion about that, and we're going to discuss it tonight on pod. But as we said, uh, we don't have any merch to hand out, but um, I'm going to drink one for our three reviewers. Hey, Victor, you found the third one. Where did you find that? Because I only found the first two. That... Okay, so what happened was that I was looking at the... (laughs) You mind that? I just want to know what I I, I just went to uh, our iTunes thing and I saw it there. Oh, because I found the first two two when I looked through it uh, Mm -hmm. this weekend when we were talking about finding reviews. (laughs) So mm-hmm. we've also, uh, for anyone listening, we've, we've been saying a lot, like, please review us and we'll talk about it. Um, and we actually got reviews like a month, a month ago <laughs> or so when we didn't even realize. So, uh, we kind of messed up there. Yeah, um, so, um, yeah. so October 16th from CC two one six nine six. It's November 13. <laughs> it's like a month ago, literally. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's a month ago. So, uh, in quotations marks, must listen. And exclamation. Great rugby podcast about Major League Rugby. Um, October 18th, from Rugby Nation USA. Uh, that is Jason Graves. He runs a nice little blog that covers club rugby to the nth degree. So, if you want to know, about club rugby in the United States. He is your guy. He puts out, I think he's put out over almost a thousand club rugby profiles, which is pretty awesome. And he's, you know, filling his own little niche of the market. And, you know, it's all, I always love reading his, uh, his rugby profiles of clubs and people. Those are, those are his best work. 
Um, so must listen MLR podcast, bringing you the best news in the MLR as the major league rugby matures and begins play. I look forward to the podcast growing with it. If there is an MLR network, earful of dirt needs to be included. Hey, league office. We have an email. You know where to find us, right? What's well, uh, minding? We minding on CBS Sports. That'd be yeah, kind of. I mean, a nice thing cool. to do. Um, and then our, yeah, and then our latest one, November tenth. So that was Friday, three days ago. Yeah, Friday. So mm-hmm. that's probably why I didn't see it because I think I looked on Thursday. Um, from P underscore Reggie. So, um. The guy who's been hitting us up in the Facebook DMs, uh, I don't know where your stuff is, Pierce. So uh, hit us back up, and uh, we will read your review. But P. Reggie, you won't be sorry, he says, is the title of the review. For anyone who is wants to be a fan of Major League Rugby, give these guys a listen. They do a great job of going in-depth and explaining all things MLR-related and they are also very accessible if you have questions. Yes, uh, you can find me at the Strobro on Twitter. Um, you can find Victor at NYC Tours. Corey Munson is just his name, and Dan likes to be incognito. But I, I'm sure I actually forget what my Twitter handle is. To be honest, Mr. Dan DeBrown, guys, Mr. Dan. DeBrown. That's right. Yeah, I forget it when I'm trying Super to write time. something to you. That's the problem. Much Dan. Uh, there's a lot of Dan Browns, including an author, and you're not him. <laughs> Never heard mm-hmm. that before. Uh, so, all right, so let's get into the main stories of the evening. San Thank Diego, you for the reviews. Yes, thank you for the reviews. Um, I We are supposed to have merch that we're trying to send out, but I guess we didn't get it. If we get enough, if we get enough, I if we get enough, I don't know how much we're getting, but... um. The, the first person, so CC, whatever your name is, drop us an email, earful of dirt, and say you're the first guy. Um, we will send you a hat or something. After we pick through the things that we like the most, obviously. Yes. Um, <laughs> hopefully, it's in, hopefully they send koozies. So. Be nice. You'll just see us with like a hat and a shirt and a scarf and sunglasses and everything. We're like... Sorry, man. They just didn't send us anything. It's just nothing, nothing's in it. Sorry, man. So, San Diego Legion. So, we've been talking about the San Diego team almost as fast as the Minneapolis team went kaput. It was like a there and then it was a gone. Um, but San Diego's real. Uh, they came in. Uh, we found their – we're pretty sure we found their LLC a few months ago. Uh, as we've said on the pod – uh, they have an outside investor, uh, possibly the Stormers, which leads into another story we're going to talk about this evening. Um, uh, we connected via Facebook uh, Messenger, and I sent our official stuff over to them via their email, so we should be hearing back this week. And, you know, they came in on the backsplash of the heels of the CBS announcements, so that was kind of kind of ominous when that happened. Yeah, what that, was, uh, that was actually kind of surprising. I didn't expect to see that with the CBS deal because we all heard that something was coming up. We all thought broadcasting. Some people say like on the announcement of a new team, we're like, no, it has to be bigger than that. And then CBS came out and then concurrently 
the San Diego team got launched at the exact same time had their press release. So that was really good timing because everyone who's looking and sees this deal come out also sees that there's a new San Diego team coming out. Um, but then that's really it. There's no news about coaches, stadium, um, players, uh, merchandise, anything really. But um, it's awesome that San Diego does have one. It is confirmed. It's not just rumors anymore. Um, and San Diego Breakers fan page, I think on Twitter and Facebook, actually rebranded as San Diego Legion fan page, yes, uh, which did. is awesome. Um, I saw I saw on the Facebook that there are actually a lot of still currently active fans on there uh so it's very good for you know a, a season two years ago that only lasted for one year um so i'm really looking forward to seeing them play i mean i think their fans would be pretty exciting yeah, especially had, now that the chargers left too they had a pretty active fan base in fact there was a i think they i'm not sure but there was there was a breakers subreddit like oh, straight up was? yeah there was a San Diego Breakers subreddit. Wow. Yeah. And it was pretty active at one point. So. Yeah. Well, probably faded off once, you know, news stopped actually coming through for the most part. But, you know, that's what happens. But what about you, Victor? Well, definitely really cool that we got finally the announcement of the team with a the name finally coming out as a legion. Funny that you mentioned Aaron that the sort of like the announcement of the team was ominous because it reminded yeah. me of the yeah of demons the, of the demons. Thank you, right? Thank you. The legion of the Bible. That's exactly that reminded me when you mentioned <laughs> ominous. I just started laughing. So yeah, yeah, we're a legion. Yeah, one of the no. few things in the Bible that actually interests me. So yeah. So that's what it reminded me of. But but yeah, a cool, cool name nonetheless. I mean, if you take, get out the biblical reference, yeah, I mean, like the French Legion, for example, just a group of guys going out and fighting. Yeah, you know, makes sense. Um, and really, I think mostly the reason why the the team was unveiled when the CVS still came out was the fact that the, well, the CVS uh, statement mentioned San Diego. So it makes sense to Pull, uh, pull it out as well. And also, as soon as I put that out and the Twitter thing came out, you went to the MLR website and they had the, the San Diego Legion right there on the team's page, on the tab. So Yeah, that yeah, was, that was cool. kind of funny. So I read the release and I went straight to the MLR page and I'm like, wait, there's a new thing there. And I click on it and it says San Diego Legion. And I'm like, what? So I immediately went to Twitter and I typed in San Diego Legion or SD Legion. Yeah, it was like, mm -hmm. San and it was there inactive. It had one, it followed one account and it, uh, you know, had like 30 followers. No, it had like 20 followers. And then I went to the website and it was password access only. So by the end of the day, they were, you know, fully operational. So you can now go in to uh, you know, submit emails to get on their mailing list for information and also for their info for just direct questions is open. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I like the the color red they're using. It's different than this one. Okay, it's more like the one in the back. Mm -hmm. um, That's right. But uh, so you're gonna have like two looks like red and black teams, which is you know 
Fine. I mean, there's three NFL teams that are red and blue, so it'd be what it'd be. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. So it was, it was cool. And then that leads into another team, and this is where we talk expansion. Last week there was a meeting in Houston about Major League Rugby. All the players uh, for 2019 were there. Um, from the little I was able to pull out, um, I'm pretty sure the Ontario arrows are set. Like bond payments for 2019 were discussed at the meeting and they're full speed ahead. And then we know some people that were down there representing uh, rugby club, New York. So, um, if you go into, ARN, uh, they launched a, it was yesterday, right? Yeah. So it was while I was driving, driving home, they, uh, America's rugby news, Brian Ray and those guys, they, uh, talked, uh, about the Ontario arrows and where they're going. And, uh, yesterday the Ontario arrows, Twitter and Facebook pages went live. You can find them at Ontario arrows. Um, their combine is, uh, next month. And uh, they're playing a bunch of MLR teams and friendlies before the season starts. So it looks like we're going to have a, a team right next to the wall. Right up there. It's really – it's good to see it actually come through because I know it was kind of announced before is, yeah, they might join MLR, but just professional league of some sort, which we all knew would obviously be MLR for the most part. Um, but – it looks like also that they're going to put a bit of a focus on Canadian players, which is obviously to be expected, but while they're not excluding anyone that's not from Canada or even Eastern Canada, um, it looks like kind of like what Utah is doing since they're actually run, I think they're owned and run by like the state governing board for rugby. Um, well, same, I, same CEO. Same CEO, yeah. Different money piles. Different money piles. That's fine, but they still put a lot like, of, of a big emphasis on like the whole state of Utah, state of rugby. So it looks like the uh, Ontario team is going to put a big emphasis on the whole development because Canada recently has not really um, been doing too hot. So they're really in need of some high quality Canadian eligible players. Um, they just played Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, it was not good. It was bad, but there was a really awesome yeah. try, not by Canada, but by Georgia. <laughs> it, was, it was really awesome to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, similar things. There's not really much news for the most part. We don't really know who all the players are, but it looks like in one of the 15 articles that came out, I think one of them mentioned that it would be the players would still, for the most part, be mostly from the Blues except for so, maybe one or two that actually signed somewhere else. So the the side they fielded uh, against Glendale was majority blues. I think there was like two dudes from the BC Bears. So I think they're trying to expand their reach per se because the the blues, the provincial side of rugby Ontario are still going to exist. So this the intent is if there is, you know, uh, an MLR team in Vancouver, the intent is for both of them to raise their level. So 
there's going to be just like the rest of the teams in MLR, there's going to be, you know, significant holdovers, but there's going to be an attraction of talent from outside of their current pool. Victor, catch the pass. Okay. Well, so in the, in the September game against the, the Raptors, the, the arrows had yeah majority blue players, two guys from the Atlantic Rock and one guy from the BC Bears specifically. Ah, but that's yeah. what it was. Exactly. So that's that's technical the technical breakdown, but I unfortunately do not do not remember names. But in any case, again, kudos to Rugby Ontario for getting this thing together and hopefully if everything goes well, they'll be Major League Rugby by twenty nineteen. Something else to the day on Valgas, which we haven't mentioned already, is the fact that they now have a new a new logo. Which it's the letter A with an arrow that makes the well the rest of the letter that so in the background it has the Toronto skyline and apparently the arrow which I was not aware of it represents the Ontario Indigenous uh, people yeah. or First Nations as they call them I was not aware of that um, I believe also someone mentioned to me that there is a connection with a uh, with a jet called the arrow like the, the jet stream of it. I don't know exactly how it works. But um but yeah. Again, so what I'm leading uh, what is leading me to believe is that the fact that they have the Toronto skyline on the Ontario Arrows uh, logo is that well, they may have the team play either in Toronto or the greater Toronto area or the GTA as they call it. Yeah. I think, um... <laughs> San Andreas. Um, that was weird. I think. Um, yeah, San Andreas. That was, I, was okay. actually, I was actually just thinking about this before because I was reading another uh, a random article that came out and it mentioned the Wolf Pack and I thought of them, but I didn't really think about them much recently. But um, if this team does come out and is in basically the same area as the Wolf Pack, um, even though I'm not personally a big fan of League, um, I don't really like it that much, to be honest. Um, I think the two teams really should be conscious of working together for the most part, even if they're not going to directly work together on every single thing or share stadiums or everything like that. But even though a lot of the fans who go to the league games are union fans, as I think we have some Canadian people on Reddit say that um, they should really be working together because overall, especially if it's the same area, um, you don't want to just see each other's competition and take away the fans. And that's where your, your fan base is going to be just the other team's current current fans. Um, they should be promoting rugby for the most part in all Toronto and obviously make sure people know that there is a difference between the two without trying to confuse them too much, but they really should be working together in, in some degree. Okay. There's like 10 people who play league in Canada. <laughs> and hosting the world cup in a couple of years, five in the U S and mm-hmm. Victor is one of the three. Fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like Dan said, but like Dan said, uh, Canada USA are co-hosting the Rugby League World Cup in 2025, which I really do hope USA picks it up because the World Cup right now in 2017, man, seriously, like we, we're getting we're getting crushed. So hopefully by by them will be a wow. little better. Now, uh, but now, but going back, yeah, but going to to Dan's point regarding the. The Wolfpack. It, ever since uh, we created that, um, the the Earful of Dirt Instagram uh, page, 
which by the way, Toronto Wolfpack follows us. Every post regarding Canada or the MLR has been liked by the Toronto Wolfpack page. So they're definitely following. Yeah, exactly. So they're definitely following uh, the development of the league. And hopefully there's some cross-pollination between uh, Rugby Ontario and the Toronto Wolfpack. Now, if, now, could it be possible for them to share Lampard Stadium? It, it could, but it's kind of hard because the thing is, uh, since um, the Wolfpack has to, has literally has to cross the Atlantic to play their games against English and French opposition because you got to lose Olympique that plays in championship now. And eventually, 2019, if they do go to the Super League and the Catalan Dragons remain in the team, which is also in France as well, it's going to be kind of hard because they like to have a bunch of away games and then later a bunch of home games. So well, it's, it's going to be kind of hard to alternate both teams like that if you're going to have just like a straight home games, like think, that, unless they have it on Sundays. I think sharing stadiums at this juncture, I, I don't know if uh, they want to do that because it seems based on uh, every conversation I've had, they're trying to grow their fan base organic. Whereas a lot of Toronto's tickets are giveaways and, you know, that's getting people into the stadium, but I think that had more to do with the fact that they're trying to be a TV product immediately. And the only place they had to play was Lambert stadium. Like that might've been the issue. And however, I don't, I don't know if the seasons line up that well. So if the seasons don't line up at all, um, they could share the stadium, you know, but then you run into uh, Canadian football and what that does to you. But Canadian, I think the Wolfpack and the Canadian football team, I forget what it is that plays there. Cause it's not Hamilton. That's the time. Uh, uh, you mean the, the Toronto Argonauts? Argonauts. So they're able to share. I wonder the issue that comes in is the third tenant. And I forget if that is a plastic pitch or it's grass. If it's plastic, durability is not really the question, but if it's grass, Lamport, you it's artificial turf. Well, it's artificial. Then you're not, yeah. then I'm not really worried about uh, the durability of the stadium at all because it's, It'll be fine. I mean, yeah. well, there's no, there's no um, Canadian football team that plays there. I, I have it on Wikipedia. I don't know this off oh, the top of my head. I'm not smart. It was, yes. um, it was empty, or is it a soccer stadium? Wolfpack and yeah, it, Toronto FC two, who will play in the USL coming up next okay. year. So it's a soccer. And it's the it's the home of the National Rugby League team, oh. I think. Yeah, or one okay. of the homes. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're you are right, um, Dan. Oh, it's the home too. And are all right. Um, cause there were questions would, you know, they play down in Hamilton. I, I don't, I don't know where, like, I think they're still exploring that one, but, uh, yeah, I don't think the seasons line up, so I don't really see a conflict. Yeah. Do you think um, that they would also offer free tickets for fans? Do, do you think that's something um, that would happen? It, for the size of that stadium, it might be a thing. Yeah. It's like 9,600. Um, but there are too many stadiums aren't currently existing. To really fit, I think Toronto. I mean, at least Ontario does, but I think they want to stick closer to Toronto and not stray off to Hamilton. Yeah, I think that's far. I don't even know, but well, that's no, it's, it's, a big not, place. It's, not that, it's not that Hamilton's not that far. Yeah, 
Um, so um, those were the two sort of big things that came out. Um, and then we had a massive, massive discussion about pay and benefits. And I sort of, uh, we had some new people come to the board and that got really hardcore about what they wanted to see from major league rugby. And, you know, I try to say, I'm, I, I try to say I'm the only person that's allowed to be cynical on the podcast <laughs> because I've been really effing cynical about this, but I think there, there was, you know, it was brought up and I had a discussion, you know, with some people in, uh, Cardiff and Eel, uh, Cardiff RCM, who is a man from Wales who lives in Londonish, uh, but is probably the best scout of USA rugby I've ever seen. It's bizarre. He, he knows everybody, every college kid, every top you know person in the EETDS, which is the developmental training squad and stuff. Um, like really bizarre. Like, you know, like I think every time he comments, I say, "How do you know this?" I I live in this country and I, I don't know these things about these players. So, um, but they they bring up what if the salary cap is only for a twelve week season? You know, not for so the contracts start January one and go through the end of the season, right? Right. Um. So, if they only go for the twelve week season. That means there's got to be different rates of pay. And I know for a fact that the Sabercats are getting paid right now. So there's pre-preseason pay. Then the league starts paying everyone January 1. You have an, a preseason stipend, an off-season stipend, and a salary. So, yes, there's a salary cap but they're getting paid more than that, which is sort of similar to how other leagues do it. Cause there you get a stipend specifically for OTAs and mini camp in the NFL. And then you get a higher uh, rate stipend during training camp. And then you have your salary, which is separate. And I mean, the stipend for, well, it, if we can ever approach that, it's a thousand dollars a week in the NFL during training camp. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. So, so you get twenty thousand dollars if you make it through camp because it's uh, <clears throat> five weeks. Yeah, I think it's actually on on that board, I think Grant actually said that the salary cap will only apply to matches played during the yeah. actual MLR season. Yeah, I think no. I, I think he and I had a discussion, but I don't I don't remember reading it from him. But you know, still, if the salary cap only applies to the the season prorated, that's a million dollars. If anyone understands pro prorated, I, I know what the, I know what the actual term prorated means. But <laughs> doing math off the top of my head is not a strong suit. Yeah, so so, tw- so twelve weeks is a quarter, right? So you multiply that by four for the year and you know you get uh, a million dollars number floating out there and I, I did the math and you know if it was you know the minimum salary for every single player is minimum wage in the state of washington which is 11 dollars, and then you come up with how many hours they're going to train plus games it's going to be between 20 and 25 hours a week so you do that and i did it for six months and the minimum salary was like 
13,000. And if everyone got paid 13,000 over six months, it was closer to, because the training squad's supposed to be 35-ish. Um, then it was like, fucking, pardon my French. Um, pardon my Speaking Spanish. French. <laughs> pardon my Spanish, actually, because I spoke with French people today. But uh, then it was closer to like 700,000. And obviously there are full-time players that are getting paid enough to attract them from overseas. Um, so what does that actually look like? Um, it's definitely about more than single-A baseball money. And I know one of the guys on the board was like, oh, that's not professional, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, look at NB, NBDL contracts. Look at USL, NASL, and PDL contracts. Look at single-A hockey contracts. Look at double-A con- hockey contracts. You know, they're getting paid about double-A, like low-end double-A baseball money. So that's pretty good for a startup. Um, Major League Lacrosse, the outdoor one, has been around for 16 years, and the majority of their players are still part-time. And it still exists. So I think it'll be fine, really. Um, I mean, it is the first season, too, so you you don't don't really look at this – and as a player and say, I'm going to make a ton of money my first year playing rugby. It's the, it's the very first season of this league. I think um, Brian Ray on the board too actually said that um, the, the better players would make about twenty to $30,000 during that, um, the actual 12-game season, uh, yeah, 12-game season. And then lower players would make like five to 10000 which, you know, you hear a player making $5,000 and you think like, oh, that's nothing. They're, they're making no money at all. But then they have, you know, for the most part, the rest of the year to also work at the yeah, same time. So really just like, you know, single-A baseball guys. Yeah, or Canadian you know, they, Or Canadian, you know. You know, they can go home for uh, six months and, you know, make a way. Or they can, you know, work in the local area. And, you know, someone was like, well, nothing's stopping the league isn't going going to be able to stop people from giving a friend of the club giving out jobs. And I was like, I don't think the league is taking that. I think everyone understands what's going on and the league in general is going to encourage making sure these guys have enough compensation to live. You know, I, I, I don't think there's, it's like, get these guys jobs if you're having to get these guys jobs and how flexible are the jobs for the, you know, the engineers and the accountants that are going to play like Kyle Sumsian is a project engineer and he's married. So, but I saw him at practice. Like he's at practice every, you know, every night for the strikers and he's at lifting every morning for the strikers. I mean, Sabre cats. So Connor Mills is an account manager and he's there all the time. Like, so these guys have worked it into their schedules so that they can play professional rugby and make good money at the same time. 
or worst case scenario, the rest of the year, you can work construction, you can mow Break lawns, some, you can yeah. be a bartender, you can, you know, coach the youth rugby team and make a couple hundred dollars or something like that. I don't know how much they'd actually pay, but they, yeah. they can fill out the rest of their time for the most yeah. part without yeah. a huge issue. Obviously, they're not going to be, you know, walking in here like millionaires, but the first year of a new league in a sport that's new to a lot of Americans. And let me tell you guys, uh, it's a, I guess it's a blessing in disguise that, that professional rugby has is the fact that because players don't make that much money, they have to pick up a trade of some sort. They need to get a degree of some sort. It's not like, for example, and I'll give you a perfect example of this, Dominicans. Uh, back home, there's a belief that if you make it in Major Always League Dominicans. Baseball, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Always, Dominican. Always Dominican. If you make it in Major League Baseball, um, uh, and you're gonna make a million dollars. You're gonna. It's like if you make it over there, it's your pot of gold. Uh, just drop your studies. You just drop everything for the game. And once you get that, and once you get that signature, and you and they float you to the states. You play there for years. You make your money. Once you get old, you, you collected all this money, and yeah, but you gave it all to your friends. And that's it. And exactly. And, and, and well, that and the family. But the fact is that you you left the country with no skills. So once you get old, or once you get injured, what do you do? Do you see what I mean? So again, it's a blessing in disguise that rugby players don't make as much as, as much money as they should. Because those guys should be definitely be making millions, but because they're not, they're forced to pick up a trade. So also, once they leave the game, they got the safety net. Also internationally too, that's that's sort of a, a good thing. I guess a good thing relatively. Like soccer, these guys are making the most money in the world. You got like Cristiano Ronaldo making like two hundred million dollars. Well, then they go to jail. Oh yeah, that's a whole different story. We're talking about that tomorrow <laughs> on our next podcast. Um, but like. Even in other countries where it is very rugby heavy, it's not like you know thirty thousand dollars for a quarter of the season is that significantly lower than what they could make if they were I don't want to say fringe player, but like maybe a younger player who hasn't gotten an opportunity or someone who just doesn't get much playing time but is from England and has that experience or South Africa or even New Zealand. Uh, especially in places where the salaries are lower. So that in that sense is a, is a draw for talent just to get some extra opportunities and, you know, knowing that they can get out here and get some uh, exposure. Yeah. And that's, that's like a trait with um, professional rugby in general across the globe. So Saracens, Wasps, they have a specific, like they have a director whose job is to work on, um, the continuing education and control, like a uh, commercialization of their athletes. So getting them set up for their future. Uh, and in like the Mitre 10, for example, so uh, Thursdays tend to be their continuing education day. They come in for like treatment therapy early in the morning, and then they're working with people from the union on either going to school or going to like trade school and picking up, you know, something else in, in case it, you know, they don't make it to super rugby. They're, they got something else going on. Uh, 
like the I don't know what her name is, but Jamie George's mother runs the program at Saracens. So like, how do I know that? Long story. But Jamie George's mom runs the program for continuing edu- education of players at Saracens. So like that's a trait within rugby in general. Uh, I understand, you know, you have Islanders trying to get off the island, you know, once they make it in super, they, you know, they just go and, you know, yeah, if you can go to um, Toulon or another French club or like Montpellier or something and go make five, 600 K for like five years, when you go back to Fiji or Tonga or Samoa, yeah, your, your generational wealth is set, you know, but for the most part, if you're not going back to an area where cost of living is short, uh, you got to do something else afterwards. Yeah, there's also, um, and this, I think this happens a lot when the international tours come around, but there was um, an interview with one of the players for, I think, Samoa or, or Tonga. And he was just describing how much money they actually make being national players. And it just, I don't know what the actual conversion was because it's in whatever uh, money they use in, in that country. But um, it was just like next to nothing. And like that's him supporting him and his family and like building a house for his family too. Like, and that's in a place that I would imagine for the most part is lower cost of living. Um, so, for chances like them to come into a league like this, like we may view this as not making that much money, but if you are in a place where you're making next to nothing each day for being on the national team, this is, this is a huge, this is a great chance, you know, that's only for the national team players. You guys also heard. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. And then I let you finish. Um, you guys heard about the fact that, okay, good. You guys heard about the, the news that the Samoan rugby union is bankrupt. Oh yeah. 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 Tracking all that. I guess people are, you know, saying, Hey, uh, you know, the, the top guys are, are, you know, corrupt and whatnot. And, you know, that may be, and I'm pretty sure that's completely true. That is a hundred. However, However, one thing that is an issue that I find an issue in rugby that if I try to draw parallels to say in American football is when the cupcake comes to you, you pay them. And in this case, Samoa is that one again, when the cupcake comes to you, you pay the cupcake to take the loss. Oh, okay. So like when a, FCS team goes to Alabama, they get a million dollars to lose by 80, which is what's going to happen to, to Samoa. They're going to lose by like 80. Until and, that uh, one time they actually beat that team and they just wasted all that money for, just to look like idiots. Well, yeah. So <laughs> Michigan App State, um, App State makes, you know, 800 grand or whatever the heck that outlandish number was and they beat them in the big house. That happens. That's just but, um, so this is what I so if tier one nations aren't going to travel to the islands so that the island nations or here in general, like so we had Ireland, cool. Um that was one. Um England Complex. needs to get their butt out here. 
Uh, we played the All Blacks. Uh, you know, South Africa needs to come up here. France needs to come out here. You England's know, the- also notorious with like not leaving because they have like a they have to have a set number of games at Twickenham or something like that. So that, that's just like a weird thing. They own the stadium. They're just trying to like make money because oh, no, every every, money. every like so every England test is ten million pounds because they right. sell out every time. Yeah. Ridiculous, right? Yeah. <laughs> so no now, wonder they're paying you know their men's players twenty two thousand pounds a fucking match. Now you're going as a union. What was the last time to play a game in the north, uh, where I guess rugby league is king? And I don't, even, I don't even know if they remember so, what was the last time they went up to the north. Well, I mean, they're not, not the the union. The union isn't going to the north. Like they're just going to play at Twickenham forever. Now they don't go anywhere else unless they're going on. So sad. But um, that's really sad. But in the north, uh, yeah, rugby league is better, but uh. You have, you know, you have teams in the championship up there, you know. But, um, but my biggest thing is why can't, like, okay, the officials are corrupt. Well, the boys only make like a thousand dollars a year. You can't, you know, in the social, you pick out the guy with your number and you walk up to him with a couple thousand pounds in an envelope and say, "Good game." And while you're exchanging jerseys, just put it in the jersey. Just hand it to yeah, me. done. Open oh, the jersey, falls down <laughs> in a gutter somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so while you're exchanging jerseys, you just handshake, give them the envelope of like two thousand pounds, and call it good. No, you know. But um, so there's that. Okay, guys, so let's move along. Uh, um, get some player signings now, right? Yeah, so it's still happening. Player signings. This is a nice one. Jeremy Lenertz is becoming Seawolf in 2017. He was a college all all American selectee for the match against Oxford in 2016. He was a collegiate all American honorable mention with Central Washington on a team that went to the Varsity Cup semifinals. Previous to that, he was also a member of the now defunct SF Rush. Uh, before coming to the United States, he was a member of Rossing Club Narbonne Mediterranean, uh, U23 Academy side, and was called up several times during that period uh, to the senior side in Pro D2 play. Uh, he represented Belgium rugby for three consecutive years as a U17, U18, and U19 player before being recruited to Rossing Club Narbonne. And I wonder, you know, uh, Victor... You know, I, I beat you up about this uh, earlier in the week, but I, I think that for me, if this guy was actually going to be on the Belgian national team, he would have been called up already. That's, I mean, he's just another guy to go into the pool for the Eagles because I think next year he might be eligible. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, for his position, we're kind of – kind of packed you know and it's like there's a long line so but i, th- I would good. i'm okay yeah, more, ta- more talent's good i'm good with that but i would have thought that he would have already been selected at this juncture since he was you know 
basically playing professionally um, in France. So. Yeah, here you are. By the way, I just found out the pronunciation of his last name, Lenartz. 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 That's not what you said. Lenartz. Yes. It's, it's Dutch. Yeah. It's, it's Dutch. Dutch last oh, name, so, so he's like a, forget wall, the e. he's a Walloon. Right? Or he's a Flem? Uh, uh, no, Flemish. Walloon are the French. No, Walloon. Are the, okay. So he's a, he's a, he's a Flem. Mm -hmm. He's a Flemish. Yeah, Flem. Exactly. You're from Flemish. Yeah. I deal with, with Belgian tourists all the time, so those are things you need to know. Because if you get them wrong, they get offended. Yeah, of course. And now yeah, to Dan. call a Flemish. And now to Dan. And now we have someone else who, at least his name, might be Dutch. I'm not really sure. It looks like it is. It um, is. Nola Gold signed Derek Van Klein. He is uh, most recently coming from Metropolis, and he is a loosehead prop but he can also play hooker or tight head prop as well. Uh, he's a D2 college All-American for the Minnesota Duluth. Um, he is a you know a pretty big guy as well. I think it was he the one. Yeah, he was the one that actually posted where he was in the snow in his backyard in Minnesota like last week. Um, yeah. So that was really awesome. I'm sure he's happy to actually be, um, you know, leaving that and going down to NOLA, which is a bit warmer than... Uh, metropolis area um he previously played with james bay uh in the bc premier league and also with the ohio aviators so another pro signing so it's good to see the, the pro talent isn't just disappearing they're coming back and they're you know staying professionally um he also competed for a spot with the nrfl whatever's happening with them um so that's uh that's kind of interesting up there. Um, he also actually, you know, in, in Aaron's, I guess in your interview, Aaron, with Nate Osborne, uh, Nate mentioned that there would be like three more players coming from Metropolis. So, Not that he's specifically trying to poach them, but. He said that there were going to be, I thought it was. So he said three more. And I know Derek Van Klein was sort of announced earlier. Yeah. So I don't know if he was. Two or three, maybe. Uh, I don't know if he was in that three, uh, but this was the official announcement of NOLA. And uh, so let's just say plus or minus two, two and a half. Um, half a person. And then he said three or four more would be signing across Major League Rugby. So, so I mean. Good for MLR, and, but not so good for Metropolis when they're losing well, I mean, seven it, players. Or, I think they're – I think Metropolis uh, is looking at it a bit differently than some others would that they're saying, Hey, you know, we're a club that developed players for this league. And if you want to make it and you're not there yet, you, but you're athletic and you've played a little bit of rugby, you can move to Minneapolis and train here and play for a couple of years and see what you got. Seven's still a lot, though. Or seven or eight's still a lot. If it was like two or three, that's awesome. It's great exposure. And then like seven or eight, that's pretty much your entire starting side for that, for the most part. Yeah, it's you know half their first fifteen or you know. I can do math. I said before I can't really do math, so I should be forgiven. <laughs> well, you should be able to do math a little bit better. I'm on the spot, it's it's too much. All these numbers in my head. <laughs> we got another uh, 
another actually pretty exciting signing that Victor really wanted to talk about, so much so that he said, guys, I want to talk about it. That's right. So the signing uh, in question, guys, is Mr. Patrick or Patty Ryan, Eagle number 514. Tie hip prop. He has signed with Austin Elite Rugby. Now, you may know Patty because he came out out of the Can Am series that we had with Canada when we finally got that America's one spot for the 2019 World Cup. He is or actually born in Chicago, Illinois but raised in Cork, Munster, Ireland. He also has a brother named Dave Ryan that I believe he now he plays for Agen in, in the top 14, in the top 14 in France. Um, uh, Ryan, by the way, was playing most recently with the Newcastle Falcons out of the English Premiership or the Aviva Premiership, but is now with Highfield Rugby Football most, Club. Most recently with Bath. Oh, excuse me, but Bath now Highfield uh, Rugby Football Club. Thank you for catching that one, Aaron. Now, it is my hope that we get more guys like him, as in uh, leaving their uh, getting out of Europe and coming to North America to play a little bit. So it worked out the best that we got one of our European guys coming back home. Then also with Austin Elite, we got Mr. Rubber. Drummond, a longtime hunt, by the way, member of the 2017 Hunts National Championship side and a product out of UT, University of Texas Rugby Club. Um, he, when he was 18, by the way, uh, he got uh, had a good showing for the USA uh, U20s camp, by the way, and then he was picked up by the Hunts. Uh, interesting fact, by the way, he is the owner of a bar in Austin 6th Street called Greenlight Social. In case you're in town, please bring some business to the man. 34 years old. Uh, he is 6 feet 3 inches or about 1.9 meters, 275 pounds or 124 kgs. Good size guy. And again, 34. Um, a friend of mine likes to joke that props are like wine. The older they get, the better they are. So there we go, 34-year-old guy. And finally, also, to wrap it up, another gentleman that got signed this week was Mr. Miles McQuong. He got signed, not with Austin Elite, but with New Orleans, Orleans Goal Rugby. He is a lock, by the way. He's coming from Fairfield, Connecticut. Definitely a native. Um, he is the captain for the Fairfield Yankees, which is a virtual three side that won the National Club Championship in 2016 and the Empire G1 in 2017 as a Division two side now, by the way. And McQuong also plays sevens for Northeast Academy and starts rugby sevens. Nice to see guys, obviously, from the East Coast going down to Southeast to play. 24 years old is six feet, six inches or 1.98 meters, about two meters. Uh, I'm not sure of his weight, so I will not be able to tell you that one. But those are the signings for the week, everyone. I thought that was a, a pretty interesting signing because Fairfield's a D2. They're kind of in a, in a interesting because they just got promoted to D2 recently, but they're a D2 club, and, and they're sending people to a pro franchise, so that's, that's really great to hear. I think for the most part, unless I might be mistaken, I just happen to know of Fairfield's situation more because uh, they're more local to me, but they were D3 
I think that was just because they merged um, Fairfield and Connecticut Yankees, and then mm-hmm. became D two, right. um, and they had like fifty guys on their squad. And I think they're staying in D two, but they're still like a pretty deep squad, and they bring a lot of people out to the games, even those who don't even play. So good signing. He's a young guy. Mm-hmm. As far as when it comes to talent, and you know, we say. Hey, this guy's D two. This guy's D one. Um, you know, there is athletic talent in the current amateur system. Uh, I mean, you can look at some of the guys that I'm sure on the the first side at NYRC and go, "Hey, that guy could fit somewhere else, right?" Um, and we had we had a guy at Fort Bliss who was called up to all Army sevens this last summer. And he broke his foot playing in a sevens rugby match. But that, I mean, that just says, hey, you know, there's pieces out there that, you know, can play at the highest level. It's just, you got to find them. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. Um, In many cases, people may be very talented and, um, much more than a lot of people on the you know, D2 squad. But for one reason or another, they want to stay with that club. They Maybe they started with them or what may have happened in Miles, is that, was that his name? Um, his case, he may be from Fairfield or maybe went to Fairfield University and may have just gone directly to the squad. Uh, he's still young too. I mean, I know people from New York that were offered, I mean, at least one person that was offered a contract to play for pro. Um He's like a, I think like a death player, but then he, he would have had to move to like Ohio. So that wouldn't have worked out. Um, but the talent's definitely there. But for one reason or another, a lot of times people just want to stay with that club. Could be closer. They could just have made great friends. And since it is social, like, you know, it, you're not really looking to, you know, make lots of money doing this or any yeah. money doing it because it's club. So you're doing it because it's, it's for the most part social. You know, like the club. It's like how much, uh, how much are you giving me to leave a really good situation? Yeah. And in that respect, you know, somebody's got like I'm not going to go be a bench player over there when I have a good job here. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make way less to go do this thing. No thanks. And you made great friends. That's usually one of the biggest reasons people play rugby. Whereas right now, what we're seeing with MLR is. I'm pretty sure guys are getting job placement. The 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 high level guys, uh, you know, accountants and whatnot when they're moving. Like the, the networks of these owners is immense. Just like uh, you know, people talk about the network of Old Blue because they recruit players, not really with cash, but with job placement, and they can find them good jobs. So, and rugby. Uh, a friend of mine once explained to me, like he played rugby for the business connections <laughs> because he, well, he started playing rugby at his graduate school. Like oh, his so. grad, his grad school had a senior men's club. So like, so he started playing rugby because to get more connection to network better. Whereas like I started playing rugby, you know, in a frontier town and then on an army team, you're not really networking there. <laughs> you're networking to a degree, but yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, but that has led to me to start networking outside of that sphere, but still within rugby, 
which is you know how we're together, right? We network. Yeah. There's a surprisingly high amount of people in the U.S. who have played rugby and go on to be successful businessmen that you would just or businesswomen too, and you just have no idea until like they just happen to bring up memories from when they're in their 20s and they're just playing all the time and you're like wow like this guy in this suit that i'm talking to basically headbutt people all the time you know so this is awesome all right moving on to uh views news and abuse um this was mentioned in an american rugby news article uh, that came out today uh, they spoke with uh, Mark Winokur, uh, who is one of the people I saw in a breakfast photo last week in Houston. Uh, and Mark Winokur is the team manager of the Ontario Blues as well as the Ontario Arrows. Um, and so they're quoted as poss- as playing this future New York team. So... In the ARN article, it talks about Rugby Club New York, and it talks about uh, they hired a rugby development officer. I, I don't. I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to say it. Dan, I think you have it close to your tongue. I'm not sure. Um, he is an American of Indian descent. He worked with USAR, and then he also worked with Rugby India. And in fact, I think they pulled him out of the deep throes of rugby work in India to be a development officer with Rugby Club New York. I think it's Nitesh something. I I didn't write down his name, so I, I don't remember it. But he was on that rugby wrap-up the other day, which was um, – there wasn't really that much information on there, but it was still great to see because um, Matt McCarthy is pretty you know well-connected within the New York scene, um, talks to a lot of people. Um, he loves to talk. Um so he he asked him he's like will it be played at gaelic park their their exhibition matches coming up and then the guy responds no comment but i think matt asked him that question on purpose because he might know that they are gonna have some exhibition matches up there yeah so that's really exciting for for both victor and myself to get some at least Mm -hmm. exhibition matches coming up because i i've we've kind of knew about this club for a while especially because uh james kennedy was actually on um, rugby wrap up and had interest in actually bringing over the pro four or pro 12 at the time franchise to New York, but it just didn't work out logistically. So then he just sort of switched gears to a new league, which we think was actually um, in the America rugby news article. They mentioned this Northeast league that would have been, uh, I think Chicago, Columbus, Boston, Toronto, and New York that played together. Um, but it looks like now they're going to start and just go towards MLR instead. Um, so he kind of like laid a couple hints and, you know, kind of got everyone really excited. And then we found the website page somehow, probably just searching <laughs> New York and rugby club. I mean, there's not I, that many yeah, words. That was, website. That was pretty, in, I, I, we've, I mean, we found that a while ago, but it was like, what? Um, someone, I, don't, I don't even know who found it or if any of us had anything to do with it, but that's the beauty of the internet and that's the beauty of talking about things yeah. on the internet. Someone else just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, so at this juncture, like, uh, I don't understand to an extent how this team is going to operate because it's not going to be operate as an MLR team, but I've checked through the Empire Governing Union's minutes and 
there is no like new team in the last eight months to request membership as an amateur as an amateur club in the Empire Geographical Union. So, and I looked through the USAR teams in New York, and there is no rugby club New York. So I sort of wonder how they're going to play because they're either uh, the Ontario Arrows are a sanctioned team by Rugby Canada. And uh, it's like in all the funny insurance stuff comes in. So what do you guys got? You're the locals. You've seen what's up. I mean, I, I, I now what I'm thinking is yeah, well, now what I'm thinking is that the, <laughs> I'm not hearing no worries. Now what I'm thinking is that um that might be on purpose the fact that they're not in in the Empire GU website or the USAR website. I guess to keep the things on the wraps, or maybe once the, the team is officially announced before it is they're going to throw their application to put the the team. On their website now, uh, but going back to what we're mentioning about this gentleman, that's with Mr. James Kennedy. Um, he's Nishan Nerejet again. Nishan Nerejet, I believe he's pronounced. My my wow. Hindi is not the best, but that's, I think I can get that name correctly. That's one way to butcher. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Apes, hey, I, I, I apes, dude. No, um, I, no, I, I, I said I so, thought his name was like Nitesh. So, yeah. No, well, it, it, well, I see it as Nishant, but it could be. But in any case, um, now with this guy, and since he used to be part of um, the uh, Indian Rugby Football U- uh, Union, hopefully we can get some rugby uh, uh, Indian guys playing in New York. That would be really cool. I would really like to see some uh, South Asian uh, players coming down and playing over here on, on this or side of the Atlantic. So. Sri Lanka, yeah, exactly. too. I think rugby's bigger in oh, Sri Lanka. Oh, you got Sri Lanka, too. Yeah. I think it's bigger. Yeah, I saw a video of the Sri Lankan team, and those guys are big. Yeah, yeah seriously. Like, those guys are really hey, good. I, watched, get the Sri Lanka? I mean, if they can get along, of course. I watched Bahubali 1 and 2. Man, there's some big <laughs> Indian athletes out there. Oh, was that that Bollywood movie where it's like basically like the stereotypical rugby where people get into the rock and just like kick each other? No. And they pin them down and punch them. Bahubali is like this like story where like war and whatnot. And it was like crazy. I don't know. But all I know is like there's like a shit ton of six foot four massive strapped, uh, you know, Indian guys in this movie. And I'm like, where where'd all these guys come from? Like, put them on a rugby team. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you could have some really nice props. This apparently, I don't know if you guys heard of the Indian town that um, produces um, bouncers, bouncers, bodyguards, bouncers. And, the, and yeah, like you no, know, like story to God, yes, like they, they work in most of the, the clubs in town, and these are big, strong guys, and this is school where they go to to learn their craft. Believe it or not, <laughs> so if you could get a couple of those guys, I mean, they'll make a mean pr- from row. In all honesty, you got to ask Nishan if he actually. Went out there. He was in charge of rugby development for a region, I think. So, my first place there to go, go to would be the place of the bouncers that can just manhandle you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, guys, so another thing to um, Gailey Park, which we briefly mentioned, um, it is a park, obviously located in the Bronx, specifically in the Riverdale 
area of, of the of the county of the borough. Um, very famous for its big Irish um, residents. I mean, not as many as they used to. Mostly my guys, the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans, have dropped them off because you know Hispanics. Um, but um, but you still, still have Irish people still. Up there. And, 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 yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of them that said, nah, this ain't Hispanic. This ain't, they're not going to drive me off my line. That's, that's how I sound like. Was that your night? That was a terrible <laughs> so, Irish accent. That, that, was just, a, that was a terrible. That, that was a Dominican guy making an Irish it. accent. That was horrible. That was bad. I know, I know. I'm, I'm so, I, my apologies, Irish people, okay? Uh, again, uh, you guys were really far, okay? We're like in the South Atlantic. You're up in the North, okay? The RP, uh, Ireland, really far away. But yeah, but uh, also Gaelic Park, famous for their GAA, or Athletic. Uh, Gaelic, uh, Gaelic, Gaelic Athletic Association um, teams, like uh, Hurling and... Gaelic hockey, game. Gaelic, Gaelic football. Gaelic football, there we go. Your awesome sports. Gaelic football, hurling. We don't call it. We don't call it hockey. It's called hurling, sir. Okay, don't don't confuse it with field hockey. It's completely well, different. Well, um, it's men with sticks on grass playing grass hockey. So yeah, it's a girl's hurling. Yeah, well, they, well, they have a name. It's called hurling. Hurling. You say hurling was a girl sport? Have you seen hurling? Have you ever watched it before? <laughs> field hockey is a girl sport. We're not hurling. You gotta talk smack. You gotta <laughs> back it them. up. Yeah, gonna, them. You gotta seriously watch that. I, I, I've seen the stick. I've seen the ball, and uh, I'll play rugby. Good sir. Uh, I do not want to hit with that. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but uh, Gaylord Park is, is Victor saying, is for anyone not in New York area, very well known amongst the Irish community. It's up by 240th Street, I think, which actually is right by the Columbia Soccer Field. I mm-hmm. think. I, I never oh. go up there, so I'm not familiar with the area at all. Um, but they are oh, that is where Old Blue plays. Um, there's really limited space to begin with, so it is far up there, but you can take the one all the way up. I think it's like one of the last stops, or I think that's where all the trains hang out. Um, so for exhibition matches, at least, does definitely make sense to get some sort of crowd out there um, that may be a bit more familiar with the sport. Um, just to get a couple games going, and then anyone who's willing to go up there, and then, you know, we've heard, I've heard rumors of a couple different places in, in New York that uh, James wants to build a stadium. I don't know how feasible it is. Um, I don't really understand construction, zoning, and everything like that, especially in New York. Um, but he does own a construction company, so I guess that is sort of the first good step it's to go to if you want to build a stadium. That's a specialty, yeah. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. real estate and construction. That's kind of a, a good thing to do when you're trying to find a stadium in New York. So. And by the way, the um, the Columbia Field is on 218 and Gay League is on 240th. So you can see it's really Four far blocks. away. From two, 218 to 240. Oh, well. 22. A couple, a couple miles. Blocks. A couple miles. It's a, it's a couple, exactly. What's it's a good, it's a no, warm up. You, it's a warm up. It's a warm up. Yeah, yeah. but you, well, you have to understand. You have to go also over a bridge from Manhattan to the Bronx. Um, That's another thing too. If you're yeah. gonna be jogging, so you might the as well just thing, take that subway. It's gonna be a lot faster. The other thing that we're not really, or we haven't really mentioned, or I haven't even really seen too much of yet, but isn't is Steve Lewis involved with this club at all, or? Well, Steve Lewis was at that meeting, and uh, I know Victor. 
had spoken with him at a game, said, hey, uh, hit me up in a couple months and tell Castro he's crazy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Pretty much that. That is exactly, that's exactly right. I still have his business card right here in front of me, actually. Yeah. I mean, Stephen James knows each other. Yeah, well. I guess we'll wait. So that's an obvious case of yeah. Stephen mm-hmm. James. Yeah, and, know he, each other. and and I tell you, and and he goes to every old blue game. Yeah, yeah. Like, seriously, like so every time I go, are, the Steve Lewis is right there. If you want to to team up with someone to, I'm assuming pick out the actual players for your team, I'd say Steve Lewis is pretty good. He was also um, pretty much the guy who did that for pro rugby a couple of years ago, or at least pick people to pick the players. And that was a really tough job to do in the U S to mm-hmm. pick out for five different clubs. So he did an amazing job. Yeah, director of rugby. So, so if you can do that, just focus on one club. Just focuses on one. Yeah. Put together a pretty good team. And he's a pretty good freaking coach too. That's true. So, um, yeah, he coaches sevens. I heard, but, um, so moving on, um, Super Rugby in Los Angeles. So we had this rumor hit our boards a couple months ago, and then it hit us again. Well, um, I have a birdie. This is a real source, confirms, like it's real. And the uh, USAR will announce it uh, tomorrow. There is a Super Rugby and America's Rugby Championship doubleheader uh, in our internal uh, communications, Victor has called it an exhibition preseason type match. And I really hope on my end that uh, they just did a little finagling of the of the, uh, the schedule and gave uh, I think we're we think it's the Stormers and somebody else. Uh, just gave sense. them just gave them a bunch of buys, which makes sense because, the Stormers have been connected to the San Diego Legion. So I my hope is that we're not paying to go watch a preseason match between uh, the Stormers and their to-be-named opponent. Hopefully the Blues. I mean the Bulls. Oh, that would be great. I get to see, We get to see Mitchell again. You know, <laughs> That'd Mitchell be great. Just, just, you know, we better, you know, beat Argentina 15 for the first time. And then just rub that in Mitchell's face. Yeah, but this is this is mm-hmm. also just awesome that if it is a double header between an ARC match and um, Super Rugby, um, I don't know exactly how many fans there are out there for rugby, but knowing that there is a, a Super Rugby team coming out gives you a little bit extra incentive to actually go and watch the USA Eagles play, and then maybe from watching that you're like, oh, this, this team's. You know, this actually seems pretty interesting, whoever they're playing against. And if it's ARC match, I'm assuming they're playing against a team that they will most likely beat, unless it's Argentina 15s, which they're pretty evenly matched. So, well, I think it could be good too. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but we played Argentina 15 first the first year, and then we played them last last year. We definitely played them last last year. So I didn't watch. So if it's year. I don't know if, but if it's just flipping the schedule every year, then they would be first. I don't know. But we'll first, first also would be good. We'll you find out tomorrow. Good match, yeah. You, we'll you do want a good match for the first one, even though it would be cool for fans to see the USA stump on like Brazil, even though we've Brazil. lost them before. But it would be cool. 
because uh, then people might think we're really good when we're not really. Yeah. You know, um, but that's a whole different story. You know, we'll we'll hear the announcement tomorrow. Um, that's actually spoiler alert. That's actually what our tweet of the week is for this week. Um, I was a bit lazy, and this yeah. is a good tweet, so I thought that, that maybe we should say it. So that's all we got for that part. Victor, what do you think about this one? We have two victors for some reason. That's weird. I don't know why. That's strange. <laughs> That's the strangest thing I've ever seen. So, what do you think, man? Ooh. I mean, I hear you. Uh, so, are you asking me, or, or, or uh, uh, are you asking which me victor or are we asking? Hey, they look the same. I wonder if I can hang up on one of you. Um, I'm going to um, eject. You know what? You know what? I'm going to do that and I'll just come back. No, like the one you just talked on seems to work. So I'm going to try this. Okay. Try um, are you still there? That, there we go. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm just we have audio. <laughs> cool. That was fun. Yeah. So what, what do you think, man? About... Hey, about the whole thing about the Super Rugby, well... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. No, what do you think? We want to hear your opinion. <laughs> Punditry. Well, Abla. That sounds cool. Muy bien. So, well, yeah, definitely quite cool that we're going to be getting this um, Super Rugby match alongside Argentina 15, which, by the way, I did cut the end of your question. Yes, we did play Argentina 15 first in 2016. So if we're going to get them again, this kind of cool, especially if we want to have uh, the Stormers again, hopefully the the Bulls. Um, yeah, quite, quite fun. The, the fact that we're going to get a match. Um, California has a large population of South Africans. So, you know, they'll definitely come down from wherever they are to watch a game. So, yeah, all cool things overall. And then, uh, so... Um the last sort of like abuse we got for the week before we hit the tweet and the questions, because we seem to have to, just to let you guys get out of here. Um, hey, Victor, mute your mic. It's it, pulling feedback. Ooh, give me a second then. So I'll, give me a second. I'll hang up and I'll come back on my computer because the thing is, my thing just went off. All right. So I'll be right back. Hi. Now Victor's gone, so we can really have fun. All right. Just us two. So, okay, guys. Um, getting back to that, technical difficulties being what they are. Um, so the Sabercats made their first appearance in the world. Uh, there was a scrimmage against the Austin Blacks. This favored the Cats 46-31. to 31. Uh, The setup was very similar to All Blacks Counties. Warm-up and structure. It was played over four uh, 20 minute quarters. Uh, I got the nickel price match recap from our friend in Houston. Uh, overall, uh, the cats had a bunch of defensive lapses over two of those periods, uh, which led to, um, five tries scored. And during those two periods, that was the only time the blacks threatened at all. Uh, the, um, then, you know, the, the Sabercats are attacking very well within uh, their structured offense and didn't have much of a problem imposing their will. Uh, Hill and Willie, well, Thaddeus Hill Jr. and Willie Perry Jackson are learning 
how to hang back and receive the ball well, uh, which will eventually create many athletic mismatches early that Connor Mills and Sam Windsor will be able to exploit. Uh, for me, without uh, knowing any of that stuff I just talked about, and I saw the scoreline and I said, hey, you know, that's actually not bad because they're playing a D1 club that has been in, you know, uh, national championship uh, pathway contention for many, many years and have good coaching. So, I mean, you, you never know how you're going to fight until someone hits you in the mouth. Yeah. And this is their first ever time of really having a match against another opponent because they've obviously done some sort of scrimmages in practice for the most part, but I'm assuming that most of that was very much you know, just, just running up the field and then running back down the field, and it was kind of controlled. Um, so 46-31 is, you know, even if I just saw the score, like I, I really personally wasn't going to take anything unless they got destroyed like 70-3. to three. Like that that was the only time I would have actually, you know, had my own doubts. But it's the first time that they're together. If this whole summary is true and they had some defensive matches that were, were mismatches, um, I'm sorry, it was defensive lapses. Um, that makes sense. It's a, it's a team that hasn't really gotten used to each other on defense. So that's, you know, it's all communication and continuity, and that comes a lot with practicing together, um, doing more than just lifting bags of sand and running up hills, uh, which is mostly obviously the fitness part. Um, but, you know, this is really Fitzpatrick and the coaches really just wanted to get them out there. They wanted to see what they had. They wanted to mix players in and out, so they didn't just put their starters in for the entire game. It's lots of you know subs coming in and out, just so they can have an idea of you know all the players, not just the the starters of of you know how good they are. So that's really all this this uh, these scrimmages are, and they're actually they're coming to play Dallas. I think next week. Um, um, was it uh, Dallas comes down? Yeah, Dallas comes down to week, them, and then. Uh, Houston travels to Blacks the week after that, and yeah. then the Reds the week after that. Something like yeah. that. And shout out to like, NTX Rugger was his name on Reddit. He actually plays for the, the Dallas team that's coming down. So um, I'm sure he wanted to hear some of the, uh, the recap of that. Uh, but anyway, so since Victor obviously can't jump in and give his own two cents, um, figure we should move over to the tweet of the week. Now, the tweet of the week usually contains, um, obviously goes with, you know, MLR theme, contains some sort of hashtag and also emoji. However, as I said earlier, um, I was lazy and I put more focus on other things than the tweet of the week. So coming directly from the USA Rugby Twitter account on Sunday, um, the caption was big announcement coming tuesday hashtag arc hashtag super rugby and this is all with a pretty nice image of i think stubhub center yes which that is, is that is stubhub center and stubhub is where the chargers used to play or no that's where they currently play that's where they currently play and it is the home of the los angeles galaxy and the stubhub center is owned by Anschutz entertainment group so uh, I believe AEG uh, will be promoting the first match, and we're going to have to get the captain, Dan Lyle, back on for our line-out series to talk 
about super rugby rather than premiership rugby. Yeah, that would be, that would be really awesome. Cause um, I will personally say this myself that I think about three or four months ago, I think I tweeted at Dan saying like, Hey, you know, it'd be awesome. AG rugby or AG owns StubHub center. Why don't you get like New Zealand team or, or some other super rugby team and they can play out there just mimicking the premiership match. So, you know, obviously they listened to me. They didn't think of it before. Um, I put the idea in their head. So, you know, Except I'll be these, expecting... are, these are like South African teams going, you know, 12 hours across the globe instead of, you know, like seven hours for a New Zealand team. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't want to just copy it exactly, but I will be <laughs> expecting some royalty checks coming in soon. Um, or at least some, some nice stuff. But actually, another thing too on, on the picture, it's not just a tweet saying big announcement, but there's a nice image of the subhub center with this big thing that says international rugby Saturday. So they're obviously looking to make it like a big festival kind of thing. Hey, uh, AEG rugby polos for Dan Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Something. Uh, All right. So moving on, we're going to go to questions from Bob. Our first question is when we skipped last week. And I think we'll have an answer for him tomorrow. But from Cardiff RCM, have the venues for the three ARC home games been announced yet? Does anybody else think they should be held at three most appropriate MLR grounds? I think that's a yes. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about this and waste time because we will find out tomorrow at least one place, but most likely all. Um, I did hear before. Or we heard, I think someone mentioned on the the Reddit that it, all three would be in California, which does make sense if they're trying to make it a big deal in California. Um, I think Houston's a good spot too, just because of the SaberCats. They seem to be pretty in tune with uh, their local community too, and a, a lot of people posting on Facebook all the time asking where they can buy merchandise. So at least in the future, I think it makes a lot of sense to have uh, ARC matches, at least, you know, um, in the same city as yeah. another MLR team so that they can do their own promotion because it does benefit them too. So kind of have, you know, hit it from, from two different entities. Yeah. I think I explored this question a bit last week. Uh, so there was a, uh, an article in the rugby Republic that covered uh, old mission Bay athletic club rugby. And at the bottom, the coach talked about uh, in negotiations with USAR to bring a ARC match to their field and they would bring in bleachers and uh, use that as the basis of their commercial plan. After already saying they looked at the MLR model and said it didn't work for them. So they don't have a commercial plan and they figured out, they figured that starting a brand of on back rugby tied to MLR wasn't going to be a thing. So I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, I spent a week up in San Jose, and I think Avaya Stadium is a lovely ground to host rugby, um, except that I think the hosts may not like what their field will look like. It got ripped up pretty badly (laughs) after after sevens. I can just imagine, like, some scrums on on that that grass. It's going to go straight to dirt. Yeah, so. And our next question is from Downey King. Will the games be available for global viewing? 
We hope so. Um, there's going to be a streaming option available, which um, maybe something like Flow Rugby um, or some other company that wants to stream it. So I don't know exactly how streams like that work internationally, but um, I well, would hope that at least you could stream it online through that. I know Flow uh, for last weekend was streaming in South America. Oh, really? Yeah. Anything specific, or they were just streaming um, stuff? The Argentina match was streamed in South America, I think. Oh, really? I, need, I need to look at the announcement, but they streamed like three different matches. They had the broadcast rights to stream down there. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but I think it would have to be a streaming option, or if we're lucky, YouTube might have some games. I don't know how that worked with with uh, with Pro, if those were official or if someone just somehow got the stream and then... I think someone ripped those. Which, you know, I'm fine with that, but it might not be possible if they uh, go through CBS Sports and everything like that. So we'll see what happens with that. Right, and Bob has two questions. Maybe Victor's coming back in. I don't know. I invited him again. Um, when can I buy kits? Well, um, Utah. You said you cl- you laid claim to me on Twitter. That's why I'm wearing it today. But basically, if you send me kits, if you send us kit, we'll be more than happy to rock it. This is a lovely piece of kit. So, um, I, I don't know when you can buy Utah kit. They have not posted that. I know you can buy Seawolves kit, and I know you can buy uh, Austin kit, and I know you can buy Glendale kit. So. Yeah. Glendale one does, I have to say, it is a very big improvement on the old Glendale Raptors. Not the Merlins, but when they were the Raptors last time. Um no offense, but I think that those are really kind of disgusting yeah, they were, uniforms. They were, they were, they were weak. Yeah, it, it looked kind of weird. I, I don't know. It's it made me sick just looking at them. I'm sorry. Um, then the second question is, where is the best place to watch a match? I I guess midfield would be the best place to watch a match. Um, I've only been to one. I'm sorry, two professional settings. One being the U.S. Ireland in Red Bull Arena. And the other in Philly, both of which are, you know, fit over 18,000 people. So I'm not sure if it's the same for like a smaller match that you typically see in like England, but midfield, I don't really know. Like I said, two and everything else is just bleachers with 10 people in it. So, Victor, where do you like watching a match? Well, thus far, at least. Uh, well, of course. <laughs> now, in, in terms of me being personally thus far, I mean, it was really cool being in Red Bull Arena. I'll tell you that. I definitely had more fun in Red Bull Arena than when Dan and I went down to Talent Stadium personally. But um, um like, like where, in the where, um, where, like in the tri zone, um, at the five meter, oh, at, got it at the at midfield. Midfield, definitely. So that way you get a, a view of one side of the field and the other because anyways, when second half comes, the teams have to switch sides anyway. So it makes more sense to have it on midfield. Um, 
I for for me, I like being um, definitely between the twenty twos. Uh, if I can't get midfield, I want to be smack dab between midfield and the twenty two meter line, and I think about probably fifteen rows up, depending on where the seats start, just high enough so your angle's good, but not so far away where you know you have to bring the binoculars. I will say though that. Um, at least from watching on TV and being at the game in Philly, rugby matches are a lot more personal or personable than um, like an NFL match or an NFL game. Um, like you can even be front row and you still have like, you know, 20 feet in between you and where the players are. Um, meanwhile, in Philly, we were sitting five rows behind Chris Wiles. And we actually went up and talked to him for a second. Um so mm-hmm. that was actually really awesome. And, and that seems to be pretty common too. Um, and especially in Philly, the, the game was pretty quiet for the most part because there weren't too many fans. So you could just hear the entire, all the calls and all the players yelling at each other on the field. So that was actually really cool because it, it was kind of an, an eerie feeling because you could tell it was professional. It was put on very professionally, but at the same time you could hear everything as if it was like a, a club rugby match. So that was really cool too. Yeah, the uh, the angles that I've noticed when I, other than, well, other than South African rugby grounds, other than those places, um, the angles at which uh, stadiums are constructed are a lot steeper and give you this much more intimate feel when it comes to how you're able to watch a game. Whereas uh, in some NFL and college football stadiums uh you could you either have to be really close to feel it or and if you're far away you might as well have just stayed home yeah um so i think think that's yeah that gets us to pardon me um our final thoughts do you got anything dan um no was I supposed to? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. Like final thoughts is unscripted. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just really happy for this New York team. I don't, I don't care if it takes me a while to get there, but I really want it to come together. I want it to do well. Um, uh, that's it pretty much, I guess. Uh, Lots of good matches coming up. You know, on, for, uh, me, for me, I'm like happy after all these people – Said, hey, you need to have this SoCal team or <laughs> you need to have a New York team. Well, guess what? Guess what, guys? Children, children. All right. Guess what? Your wishes have been answered. There's a California team. There's going to be an East Coast team. We're going to cover possibly, you know, more in the future, like definitely more in the future, but possibly even more uh, than that. So that's awesome. Um, but it was nice to have that confirmation this last week. Whereas uh, a little bit still innuendo, but for the most part, you can, you can feel it coming. And Victor, catch the kick. Well, uh, definitely, I caught it. So real quick, guys, a shout out to a, a new person that's following us on Instagram, a guy named Marty Francis. He plays 
for GC Foster College down in guess where? Spanish Town, Jamaica. Nice. Yeah, so Jamaicans listening to us now. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So, of, yeah, hopefully he listens to this. I told him I was gonna give him a little bit of a of a shout out. Um, he is expecting, fingers crossed, to playing with the Jamaica Crocs with the national team sometime next year. That's I, nice. I don't know which position he plays, but hopefully he plays for the Crocs. So that's one thing. So again, shout outs to, to Francis. Um, second thing is um, uh, for the viewer, well, for the listeners, really. Um, uh, the guys and I were having a conversation over the over email regarding a question I brought up. If it's possible in the near future that Major League Rugby may have a, a team down in Mexico. Because everyone always talks about a team in USA and Canada, which I understand because most major cities in Canada are in the south, uh, uh, touching almost a foreign parallel. And you also have the fact that Canada also speaks English, but no one talks about poor old Mexico with their Spanish and the like. So it was, I would just brought the hypothetical that in a couple of years, if it's possible to have a team in a, in a, well, close enough to the border. So I was bringing, I brought up the examples of having a team either in Tijuana, Baja California, or one team in Monterrey, Nuevo León, uh, which are I, quite close. I support um, Monterrey. Tijuana. Tijuana yeah, exactly. No. I, I do. No. Yeah, I mean, after what you told me, yeah, definitely. But I definitely support Monterrey because that's where the money is in, in the north of, of Mexico anyway. Because the problem is having a team in, in Mexico City. Is, the thing is, Mexico City is so far away from the border. It's sort of annoying. But, I mean, then again, just look on tour to Wolfpack. They have to cross the ocean just to go and just to go to England to play. So, again, it's not out of the round of possibility. And for, plus the fact that if, if they're paying dollars and the Mex- and Mexican peso is lower than a dollar anyway, if you make the conversion, you're really saving yourself money anyway. So. And also the fact that if you were talking about soccer, you got the North American Soccer League, uh, which has a team down in Puerto Rico. Then again, PR is a U.S. territory, so that's probably why they don't pay as much for travel. But again, down to the Caribbean to go all the way to New York. That's if if from here to New York City to Santo Domingo is four hours. I assume for San Juan up there has to be at least four and thirty, like four hours thirty minutes. Well, based on like my survey, like I just learned to answer this question because so we can get out of here. Um, I serve. I learned a ton of stuff in about an hour about Mexican rugby today. <laughs> that I, I'm actually glad. I, a lot of age grade players in the current system. I already knew this, but uh, and I was telling Victor about this. Come from the U.S. Like you have a lot of Mexican American descent kids from um, the El Paso and uh, New Mexico areas joining. You know the Mexican national team because they have dual citizenship and, you know, they're just going, you know, they're identified by the, you know, the Mexican high performance system and didn't get identified by the Eagles high performance system. So they took the shot. And so they were like, they were one of the starting props on the U 20 team this year. I think it was um, that, Played in the, in the Ram, right? Yeah, in the Ram. Um, in, in was, from, was from El Paso. So, um, yeah. Uh, but I, so I looked at 
Mexico, um, one of the biggest things like we've talked about is commercial viability and money behind teams. And Victor's talked about commercial viability and financing in Monterrey. Uh, you know, so that's a big thing that's important. And you also look at the rugby fan base. The the densest area of rugby is in Dizitro uh, Federal, which is Mexico City, the Mexico City area. So I think you know, you could have as many as two teams, just like in Canada. I think Canada, you could have more than two teams eventually, but I think for Mexico with their total population of ruggers, uh, first, I think the, the first place I think they're going is Mexico city. And, you know, you can talk about some of the connections that the, uh, the current Texas teams have to Mexico and it, it makes it easy to see. Just not, you know, in year two, maybe year five. And because I haven't heard anything concrete mm-hmm. about it. So, um, yeah. take us out. It will be cool to have Mexican guys, though. Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Signing with the Utah Warriors. <laughs> um, there you go. Exactly. All right. I mean, Daniel, you got some, some, yeah, you got some really good players in Mexico, fifteens and seven set. So definitely making an MLR. So, all right, let's get out of here. Yeah, guys. So, final thoughts? Because I mean, we have to say the thing that we always say. <sighs> let them play, man. Let them play. Okay. Let me let me mention it again. So, guys, obviously, thank you for joining us on the Earful Dirt Fancast. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube if you're watching this, of of course, on YouTube.com/slash Earful Dirt. Look at look us up as Earful Dirt Fancast. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and as I mentioned before, Instagram. Add us to your podcast list on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Player Fin. Obviously, you could also get us on SoundCloud again, leave us a review. We got three reviews, two from last month and one for three days ago. Keep those coming. Again, you're go- obviously shout outs, obviously to the people that wrote those. Hopefully you're going to get some merch once we get it anytime soon. Also, and I don't think we have checked. We, have, we should check guys. Um, voicemails, send us a call us, of course. I checked today. There wasn't anything. So. Oh, there was nothing? Okay, good. Well, be the first one, obviously, and the number is seven two zero six hundred two six seven nine. Again, that's one seven two zero six zero zero two six seven nine. Again, there was a voicemail. Keep in mind that we record this live starting at ten p.m. Eastern, eight p.m. Pacific. With that said, guys, good night. I guess uh, we can play ourselves out. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.